0: Good afternoon everyone. This is the D O L W 3 podcast. Today is December 29th and we are in the Christmas season. Um as Catholics, we basically are celebrating the 12 days of Christmas and they actually don't even start until the Christmas Vigil, Christmas Eve when Jesus is born. So we are in the midst of um selling, celebrating Christmas and you know we we actually really don't play christmas music we play advent music but we don't play christmas music until christmas eve for those of you who don't know that it's a bit of trivia i guess but um so, you know, beginning to really enjoy the Christmas music right now. So, um, it's hard when you go to stores and things and, you know, in October they're playing Christmas music. Um, but but in reality, um, it's it's yeah, if you just it's kind of like an anticipation. Advent comes, you're just anticipating Christ's coming in that new life coming. And so we go with that new life um, today and and in this podcast, hopefully to um, bring new life into your thoughts, um, into your, into your, you know, your prayers, whatever. So, um, I mean, I do respect that Christmas isn't always a joyful season for everyone. I've had some struggles this Christmas myself. But, um, you know, if you're having struggles, and this is just such a painfully... Oh, you grieve all the more during these days. Just remember, um, it is almost, I can't explain. If you haven't been in a church, go into a church. Go into a church and go into the chapel and just sit there. And sit there with your grief. Sit there with Jesus. And, you know, just think about what he did for us in the suffering You know, think of his mother. Think of, um, you know, what she had to go through knowing she was losing her son and knowing, you know, and seeing the horrible things that he went through. You know, that suffering and that pain you're feeling, um, put it in, in, you know, put it with Jesus and pray with Jesus during this time. So um, uh, what we're reading and what we've been reading is... Uh, the Letter to a Suffering Church, A Bishop Speaks on the Sexual Abuse Crisis. And that's Bishop Robert Barron. Um, I think that this conclusion today, we're reading the conclusion, and we're going to start on page 99. And, um, you know, I've read it a couple of times, and I do think that this this conclusion, you know, kind of just gives us, like, um, how important it is for us to stay and fight and why it's important for us to stay and fight and that um it's it's it does so much good for you to to do something like this it is what my own personal experience is is to use your voice use your voice when when something you know is just not right um and you need to do something about it i think we see it a lot in in the news um uh, people standing up, you know, for something that has happened that you know is just so wrong. Uh, the church has been here since since Jesus, and the, the Catholic Church, the Christians. Um, and so, you know, it's been through ups and downs. But if you look at the whole picture, and if you look at the whole world, and what those seeds have been planted everywhere and how this message has been taken everywhere and it continues to grow. Does it go through bad times and rough times? Absolutely. And so, and I think that's, you know, what this conclusion kind of brings you to that point. So I'm going to start reading right away. I'm not going to carry on a whole lot. Um, I think my prayer today is this. Father, may I... Not stand by when people are dying, and that was in Leviticus 19, um, chapter 19, verse 16, and that just really kind of hit me when I read that. I actually read it this week in uh, the liturgical readings, and what it made me think of is that you know how how true that is. You know, if we just stand by when we uh, and and allow people to die, and people die in many ways you know, and we can see it in this country with the amount of mental illness and the amount of suicide and, um, and, and souls in the church that were scandalized, you know, their soul dies. And, um, you can't, I just, you know, Catholics, I can't say it enough. People, um, that have been hurt in the church, you know, come back to the church, you know, the church will suffer with you. And, You can use your voice, you can write letters, you can protest, and you can save future generations from going through this by writing these things down, by passing them along. Um, So, uh, I, you know, I just, you know, I can't say it enough that there's far more good things in the church, and especially with the sacraments. When you leave the church... You leave that that part that just really connects you with Jesus and that spiritual food um, that we also need. Okay. Chapter the end at the end of the book, it's conclusion, and we're beginning on page ninety-nine. Again, it's the letter to a suffering church by Bishop Bishop Robert Barron. I know many Catholics are sorely tempted just to give up on the church to join another religious group, or perhaps to become one of the religiously unaffiliated. But this is not the time to leave. It is the time to stay and fight. If I may, I'd like to make one more historical reference, this one to a key moment in our political history. By the 1850s, it had become unmistakably clear to Abraham Lincoln that slavery was not only a moral outrage, but also an institution that posed a mortal threat to the American democracy. One can hear his arguments along these lines in the great speeches he gave while debating Stephen Douglas during the 1858 Illinois senatorial campaign. But nowhere was his case more pithily put than in his famous address before the Illinois General Assembly just after his a nomination for the Senate a house divided against itself cannot stand I believe that this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free it was this conviction that led Lincoln upon becoming president in 1861 to accept and prosecute a terrible war midway through that conflict while dedicating a cemetery for those who died in the decisive battle Lincoln explained why he continued to fight. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent continent, a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether the nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. There were indeed many people in the North who appalled at the losses on the battlefield and less than persuaded of the utility of the war were rancoriously calling for Lincoln to give up, to let the Confederacy have what it wanted. But the President knew that something more than military victory or national pride was at stake in the struggle. He knew That slavery constituted a rot upon American democracy, a disease that undermined the principles of our founders. Therefore, despite the pain, he had to fight. I understand that it's not a perfect analogy, but I think it sheds at least some light on the present situation in the church. The sexual abuse of young people by some priests and the countenancing of the abuse by some bishops, is more than a moral problem, it is a rot, a disease, a threat to the great principles of the church that we hold dear. Yes, an easy opinion is to cut and run, to give up on the operation, but if you believe as I do in those doctrines and practices and convictions that I mention in the fourth section of this book. If you think it is indispensable that the mystical body of Jesus Christ abides as a light to the world, then take the Lincoln option. Stay and fight. Fight by raising your voice in protest. Fight by writing a letter of complaint. Fight by insisting that protocols be followed. Fight by reporting offenders. Fight by pursuing the guilty until they are punished. Fight by refusing to be mollified by pathetic excuses. But above all, fight by your very holiness of life. Fight by becoming the saint that God wants you to be. Fight by encouraging a decent young man to become a priest. Fight by doing a holy hour every day for the sanctification of the Church. Fight by coming to Mass regularly. Fight by evangelizing. Fight by doing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. God is love, and he has won the victory through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Therefore, we inhabit what is finally a divine comedy. And we know that the followers of Jesus are on the winning side. Perhaps the very best way to be a disciple of Jesus right now is to stay and fight for his church. I thought that was pretty powerful. All right, and then um, there is a prayer for the suffering church. It's a beautiful prayer here, and it's at the end of um, this book. So here we go. Lord Jesus Christ... Through your incarnation, you accepted a human nature and lived a real human life. Setting aside the glory of your dignity, you met us face to face in the vulnerability of our humanity. Through, Though without sin, you accepted sinners, offering forgiveness and placing yourself before even the most unworthy as a servant and a friend you became small and weak in the estimation of the powerful, so that you might elevate to glory the small and the weak of the world. Your de- your descent into our nature was not without risk, as it exposed you to the assaults of the darkest and most terrifying of humanity's fallen desires. Our cruelty and narrowness, our deceptions and our denials, all this culminated in the cross, where you where your divine love was met with the full fury of our malice, our violence, and our estrangement from your grace. We're on page 103 and we're heading to 104. We're at the top of page 104 now. You are offered yourself, you offered yourself to us without innocent without innocence and receptivity. And this was met with the abuse of your body the humiliation, the mockery and betrayal, and isolation, torture, and death. All this, even the dereliction of feeling abandoned by God, you accepted. You became a victim so that all those victimized since the beginning of the world would know you as their advocate. You went into the darkness so that all those compelled into the dark by human wickedness, would discover in you a radiant light. Grant, we pray, O Lord, healing for all the victims of sexual abuse. Purify your church of corruption. Bring justice to those who have been wronged. Grant consolation to all who are afflicted. Cast your light to banish the shadows of deception. Manifest to all your advocacy of those who have been so cruelly hurt and your judgment upon those who, have having perpetuated such crimes, remain unrepentant. Compel those in your church whom you have entrusted to safeguard the innocent and act on behalf of the victims to be vigilant and zealous in their duties. Restore faith to those from whom it has been stolen and hope to those who have despaired. Christ the victim, we call out to you. Strengthen your faith to accept the mission placed before us, a mission of holiness and truth. Inspire us to become advocates of those who have been harmed. Grant us strength to fight for justice. Impart to us courage so that we might forthrightly face the challenges to come. Raise up saints from your church. And grant us the grace to become the saints you desire us to be. This we ask you, who live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And we are ending today on page 105. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about this week in the Catholic Church. Um, like I told you, it is the it is the Christmas season. We are in the octave of Christmas. And this week um uh, we celebrate um some really powerful saints and uh um, y- you know yesterday was the holy innocence this week has been um you know the Holy innocence is really a powerful um day that we celebrate as a feast in the Catholic Church, and we do it during christmas week um and then and then today was um St. Thomas Beckett, and you think of St. Thomas Beckett and, you know, uh, he was murdered, and I have a, I have, I, I, I copied the, um, I printed it off and copied it, but what was written about him and, um, or that what he wrote, okay, and I just want, I want to read that to you because I think it speaks so much. To us today, and what we are going to, and in the kind of the kind of people, holy people that we are called to be, you know, you don't have to be so well learned and so, um, you know, just know everything about the Catholic faith. You know, people have been studying the Catholic faith, and it, faith, and it's been growing for over two thousand years. You can't know everything, but you can see how it has grown in in the world. In the good that the Catholic Church has done. And, and, and it's not without problems, for sure. There is nowhere in this world that we won't be without problems. So here is Thomas Beckett, um, who we celebrate today. Hereafter, I want you to tell me, candidly and in secret, what people are saying about me. And if you see anything in me that you regard as a fault, feel free to tell me in private for from now on people will talk about me but not to me it is dangerous for men in power if no one dares to tell them when they go when they do wrong when they go wrong and that was the words of saint thomas becket it was to a friend on his way to ordination and we'll continue on here for our sake christ offered himself to the father upon the altar for the cross He now looks down from heaven on our actions and secret thoughts, and one day he will give each of us the reward his deeds deserve. It must therefore be our endeavor to destroy the right of sin and death and by nurturing faith and uprightness of life, to build up the church of Christ into a holy temple of the Lord. The harvest is good, and one reaper, or even several, would not suffice to gather all of it into the granary of the Lord. Yet the Roman Catholic Church, the head of all the churches and the source of Catholic teaching, of this there can be no doubt. Everyone know that the keys of the kingdom of heaven were given to Peter. And upon his faith and teaching, the whole fabric of the church will continue to be built until we reach, till we all reach full maturity in Christ and attain to unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Of course, many are needed to plant, and many to water, now that the faith has spread so far and the population became so great. Nevertheless, no matter who plants or who waters, God gives no harvest unless what he plants is the faith of Peter and unless he himself assents assents to Peter's teaching. All important questions that arise among God's people are referred to the judgment of Peter in the person for the Roman pontiff. Under him, the ministers of the Mother Church exercise the powers committed to them, each in his own sphere of responsibility. Remember, then, how our fathers worked out their salvation. Remember the sufferings through which the church has grown. And the storms of the ship of Peter has weathered because it was Christ on board. Remember how the crown was attained by those whose sufferings gave new radiance to their faith. The whole company of saints bears witness to the unfailing truth that without real effort no one wins the crown. This was from a letter of Saint Pete, uh, Saint Thomas Becket, and I just, I, I just thought that that hit head on, um, head on with what we're being told with Bishop Barron's, you know, um, book today, you know, and what we've been reading, and and I really think Bishop Barron is is telling, you know, telling us that we need, we need people to rise up. This, you know, the church has grown. It is so huge, you know, and lay people in the communities, in the church, in the pews. There is so much we can do by using our voice. And that's what we advocate for here, um, to let the church know, to let your leaders know, to let your priests know that we're we're not having it anymore, that this has to change. and um, And we expect certain things, just like when you go to work. You have to check your work product, whatever type of work you're doing. You can't just, you know, run an organization without looking at the goods and the bads. You have to look, and you have to look at them honestly, and you have to be truthful and just in, in what you do, and it's the same within the church. You know, we expect our leadership, our church leadership, to um, check their work product and, um I also wanted to just read this little thing from, um, it's about, it's Pope Francis. And it went out in one of our recent letters um, where we use our voice. And um, this is the letter of His Holiness Pope Francis to Cardinal Mark Ullet, President of the Pontifical Commission for Latin America. Without realizing it, we have generated a lay elite believing that committed lay people are only those who work in the matters of priests, and we have forgotten overlooked the believers who very often burn out their hope in the daily struggles to live the faith. They are the situations that clericalism fails to notice because it is more concerned with dominating spaces than generating initiatives. And so, you know, the thing here is, with clericalism and Pope Francis speaks out a lot whether you whether you agree with Pope Francis on things that are coming out right now i think you know really to what i would suggest you know that all the things that are in the press and there's so many goods and bads and good press and bad press uh, i think really what you need to do with with Pope Francis is to look at what he's doing good and how many changes he's making that are good and for the good of the faith, and he he definitely points to points to clericalism as being a big problem, and um, and in good priest and in bad priests, some like that and some don't. Some have been waiting for the you know a pope to speak out about clericalism, I'm sure, and then there's others who get angry, other clerics who get angry that this is happening, and you know he, uh, Pope Francis talks about um the nesting that happens in the church you know so when we're talking about catholic elites um you know that nesting that that they have they get into this nesting group and they forget about the everyday person and they don't listen to their voice and they use you know the power of you know their you know their intelligence or whatever you want to call it their understanding of church documents or whatever maybe to, for their own gain or whatever you know and clericalism is all about power and control and so I I love that Pope Francis speaks about this and he definitely speaks to the lay people that he needs us and he wants us to bother our pastors okay not through our concession of goodwill but by the right and the actual statute lay people are part of the faithful holy people of God and thus are the protagonists of the church and the world we are called to serve them not to be served by them and I think that's that's uh, Pope Francis talking to his priests and his bishops they are called to serve us not us to serve them and I think it's unfortunate that so much in the lay people we just think our priests and everybody does everything perfect in the you know and we have to listen to what they say we have to listen to what they say of course and we have to be obedient but we also have to use the common sense that our father has given us, and if you suspect that there's some wrongdoing going on, and you need to be able to say it and go talk, and if they won't let you talk about it and they shut you up and they remove you from Eucharistic ministry, or if you're involved in a food pantry and they remove you from that, you know, and they quietly beat you up and get rid of you, you know, that's um, there's something real wrong with that. If you can't talk. Talk it out, and and if that happens, then you write to your bishop and you write to the pope, and um, and that's what we are here for. We are to advocate for the laity and to be a voice for the laity, and we are a voice for truth through mercy and justice. Um, so um, it's very important that that you know as lay people that we do not fear that we're doing something against God when we're speaking something that is wrong in the church. So, um, Pope Francis, again, I just want to remind you, he says to his, to his bishops and his, his priests, we are called to serve them, not to be served by them. And so keep that in your pocket. Keep the, remember that. If you're speaking up about something and it really bothers you and you're nervous or whatever, um, you pray about it. Um, you talk to others about it. You talk to, you, you know, you in others who, who may have seen it and you go and you talk to your pastor you talk to your priest and if they're still not being truthful then you need to go to your bishop and write a letter and um and continue on until you get the issue resolved all right one last thing lay people are part of the faithful holy people of god and thus are the protagonists of the church and the world just remember that and, and Pope Francis reminds us again, to the bishops and the priests, we are called to serve them, not to be served by them. I think it's very important because I think as lay people get their sea legs and in these rough, rough and choppy waters, that we realize that we are fighting Satan. And he will do everything in his power to stop us from speaking. And we have the saints. We can read about the saints. It was never easy for them. You know, Thomas Beckett today was murdered. Um, He was a bishop and a martyr. He was murdered um, because there was a lot going on in his time, and this was back in 1170 when he was murdered. And he was murdered right in the cathedral. So uh, it is hard sometimes to do and to be a saint and to grow in holiness Means that you're always keeping your eyes on God. Okay, and with that, let's say a prayer for the uh, return of the practicing Catholics, the non practicing Catholics. A good shepherd, oh good shepherd, you never cease to seek out the lost, to call home the stray, to comfort the frightened, and to bind up the wounded. I ask you to bring all our fallen away brothers and sisters back to the practice of the faith and to remove all obstacles that prevent them from receiving your abundant mercy, which flows sacramentally through the heart of your holy church. Through the intercession of Mary, the mother of God, their guardian angels, their patron saints, and the ever-prayerful St. Monica, may you pardon their sins and unshackle them from whatever hinders their freedom to come home. For you, O good shepherd, have loved us to the end, and offered yourself to the Father for the salvation of all. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. God bless you all. Until next time.